Hi, my name's Emma Fieldhouse and welcome to the Great Design Lead podcast. I am the co-founder of Beyond Agency. We are a full-service digital marketing agency based in the UK. Um, we work with companies all across the globe um, through branding, websites, digital marketing. Um, and right now, um, we are working on some really exciting projects in the crypto NFT metaverse space and also on a number of um, internal projects that we're really excited to share with sort of the Webflow community and um, different online platforms. Um, so yeah, I guess that's me in a nutshell. Perfect intro. <laughs> I We were chatting a little bit before how like I was so nervous right before this and I never really uh, know where the nervousness comes from, but addressing it usually makes me calm down. Like even right before I joined the meeting, like my heart was pounding for some reason, but yeah. I feel like I that's feel a mutual good. feeling. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. I was kind of like this morning, um, yeah, I was quite excited. I'm going to get the podcast. It's really cool. And then literally about 10 minutes before I like clicked on the Zoom link, it, I think it set in that, oh my God, okay, I'm just going to get all these questions fired at me. And I'm, you know, I'm not the sort of person who usually like talks a lot about myself and that kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, here it goes. This is exciting. <clears throat> you're you're one of the rare people that I actually shared um, my notes beforehand with. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what was that experience like? Do you know what? It made me realise how easy it is to find out information, actually. Um, I was like, oh, my God, you found this, this screenshot from my Instagram and like, there's this and you found this that went on like six years ago um, and like 10 years ago. So it's crazy, but it's quite good because it sort of reminded me of some like key milestones and things that you might want to pick up on. And yeah, it was it was good to see those kind of like your brain process of what you go through before you get on a on a podcast. So it was cool. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm always nervous that people are going to think like I'm a crazy person or something because like, <laughs> you don't do that to people. That's like not normal. <laughs> but I have to like in order to like uh, have all these like fun things to talk about and like understand who you are a little bit more. And when I did that, I I saw that you have lived many different lives uh, up to this point. And like you speak French and there's all of this going on. So yeah. I, I I don't know. I guess before we get into anything, um, what is it like to like be a person that has been in all of these different roles and and like does that kind of impact the way that you kind of have like a more holistic way of looking at things? Um, yeah, I guess so. that's a really interesting question. It's 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 cool that you picked up on like living lots of different lives so far because. I guess I have I've had a lot of different experiences and like different um, job roles and and that kind of thing, um, and I think it all kind of like brings together like a bigger picture view if you like. And I don't know. I feel like I'm quite able to talk about lots of different topics and like maybe advice on different things. I don't know if it's good advice, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, and I think I've just been quite lucky to be able to experience lots of different things, like living in a different country and, um, you know, having lots of different job roles and opportunities and sort of short term, um, short term things that I've been involved with. And yeah, it's quite exciting. I'm I'm really sort of happy that I've had all of those experiences. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and kind of like. I want to hit on all of them. So I think like the best way to do it is kind of just like to start from the beginning. And um, I have learned that 
I'm very bad at pronouncing uh, British towns. Um, mm -hmm. The last guest that I had, he, he uh, uh, grew up in Barnstable, and I said, so what was it like growing up in Barnstable? And he was <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so um, my pronunciation of where you're from, is it is it uh, Brinsworth? Am I pronouncing yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, you got it right. That, that is okay. the village that I grew up in, yeah, Brinsworth. Um, and sort of wider than that is the town of Rotherham. Um, if people don't really know Rotherham, like Sheffield is the closest city. Um, we tend to go with Sheffield when we're talking to people just <laughs> because Rotherham is so small on the map. It's like not many people kind of know where it is. Um, but yeah, Brunsworth, like first time pronunciation. <laughs> it's good. I feel like that, that, was a, that wasn't as tricky. There, okay, so um, when I was like uh, uh, thinking about the whole pronunciation thing, there's this town... Oh, there's this river where I am, and uh, what I'm going to do, and we'll say the name of it later, I'm going to send you the text in the chat mm -hmm. of how this thing is spelled, and I want to know, how do you think this sounds? Like, how would you pronounce this? Oh my goodness, I don't know. <laughs> um, Any okay. attempts, yeah. Shall I spell it out first so that people can try and pronounce it themselves? Sure. <laughs> So we've got an S-C-H-U-Y-L-K-I-L-L. -L -L. That's such a bizarre like combination <laughs> of letters. Um sh I don't know. It's, it's Skookle. Oh. Well, would never, I would never have in a million years. <laughs> anyway, that's the closest thing that I have to like a, a thing that's hard to pronounce or anything like that. But um uh, but anyway, so what was it like growing up in your town? I, I know that, like, there's so many different experiences. Like, wh what was it like in, in yours? Um, yeah, I guess it's quite a, a small-ish town, I suppose. Um, Brinsworth in particular, like the village where I grew up is is quite small. But um, a lot of my friends, obviously, I grew up there, went to the same primary school, the secondary school. Um, so you had kind of like the same close-knit little group of friends. Um and then I was quite involved in like, um, I was part of like an amateur dramatics group and that was a little bit wider across Rotherham. So I made a few different friends from different villages and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's quite small and, and close knit, I suppose. Um, Rotherham as a town was really quaint. And I, I say was because I feel like a lot of UK towns have like, I don't want to say that they've gone downhill, but it's almost like they were really thriving and really vibrant and quite quaint, like 20 years ago when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And now they're kind of like abandoned almost because everyone goes to the huge um, like shopping centres like we've got Meadow Hall near us and um, like retail parks and things like that. And so the town centres don't seem to be quite as lively anymore. But growing up, it was it was a really like quaint little place to be. And there was the fountain in the town centre. Um, we'd go like run around there and go like get a sausage roll. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was a good good place to grow up. Yeah. So I guess was it was it quiet and and safe and peaceful or was it kind of like like you're very you're kind of close to something that was a city so you could like go there and then come back to like normal world <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was definitely the the former for like the majority of the time like quite small quite quiet um quite peaceful I could like walk around to my friends houses really easily um but then we're kind of like 
20 minutes away from Sheffield, which is the closest city, and that's much more vibrant. You know, you've got a couple of universities there. Um, so when we all kind of got to the age of like 17, 18, and you like start going out, like you you would definitely go to Sheffield rather than um, going into Rotherham. Um, so yeah, it's good to be like on the cusp, like on the outskirts of a pretty big city where there is quite a lot going on. And, you know, it's um, it's like the greenest city in the UK. So there's really nice walks around. You're like super close to the Peak District, which is just stunning scenery and gorgeous walks. Um, so it's nice to have all of that like on the doorstep, but then also to come back to like the, the smaller kind of like village side of things, like where, where I actually grew up. Um, so yeah. It's good to have both. Uh, when we're when we're thinking back to like you growing up and uh, you kind of in your, I'd guess say like primary school age, um, mm -hmm. before you knew what a, a career was and how expensive things were in life and things <laughs> like that, um, what kind of things did you naturally gravitate towards? Like what were your interests at first? Um, I did a lot in like dance and performing Ooh. arts <clears throat> it was definitely more of like a hobby and I don't think I ever really saw myself pursuing it as a career but that was certainly a really big um like personal passion of mine um and I was part of like an amateur dramatics community from about eight to 18 um I literally stopped when I moved away to go to university uh, so we used to do a lot of different musicals and we perform in local theatres and that kind of thing um so that was always like a personal passion like growing up um I did a lot of like ballet and tap and things when I was really <laughs> small maybe like six seven um <laughs> but in terms of like a career uh it's, it's really hard isn't it because I look now at young people and I think it's so hard to know what career you want to go into when you are small um but I think I naturally gravitated towards things like in education in those sort of roles because even going through school I I like participated in a lot of um, initiatives where you would buddy up with younger students or you might like help out on open days and um, that kind of thing. So I just I felt like I naturally gravitated towards like working in an education environment, which is what I ultimately did end up going into um, after university and after a few of the different experiences and things throughout sort of my my university career. Um, yeah, I did kind of naturally gravitate into the education space. So when when you say theatre, is that like like acting and dancing and singing? Yeah, all three. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I was very much, I never really put myself forward as like a, a lead role. Um, hmm. I think because it was something that I really enjoyed doing as like a passion and, a, and as a hobby. Um, I never put myself forward as like a leading lady sort of thing but I just loved being part of that community and like the ensemble and the singing dancing acting kind of all coming together um and yeah we did quite a lot of um musicals some that are like still currently in the west end like um we performed Les Mis one year that was one of the best ones I was part of oh, wow. um we got some of the rights to do some of the the Disney um productions um so yeah it was I, I absolutely loved it and it was it was definitely something that like it it kind of put you in a different community and like you made friends outside of who you were friends with at school because it was like Rotherham wide like borough wide um and just something totally different to kind of get lost in and just have fun I suppose 
um, I remember, I remember doing theater when I was in like high school, which is, I know there's different words for high school and college and stuff like that between you're in my country, but like when I was like 16 to 18, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, I remember watching the people that were like the leads or the people that were like really, really good at singing or weren't scared when they went on stage. And I would kind of think like, you're just made of something else. <laughs> like what, <laughs> what is happening? Like, how does this work? Like, I don't know. Was that at all? Um, did you ever look at people that you were working with or, or like practicing with and then thought like, like, what are you made of? Like, how does this work? Yeah, there were some amazing people who were part of that amateur dramatic society and quite a few of them have gone on to to sort of like professional roles so a few of them are in the west end on in theaters and on stages a couple of them one of my really close friends went on to work um on a number of different cruise ships um sort of like lead um performer lead singer um so yeah there's some incredible talent um but I, I never kind of went for those like lead roles I was very much like I'll just be part of like the big group where you can kind of get lost in everything and just enjoy it without having that pressure I suppose because there's so much pressure as like a leading lady or a leading man like yeah um kind of the the whole show falls to you doesn't it whereas I was very much I just love being part of um the community as a whole and yeah just just enjoying it I guess <laughs> uh do you remember your uh your thought process when you were looking at all the different roles and, and choosing what you wanted to audition for? Like, do you remember your thought process at that age? Um, kind of, yeah. I mean, like I say, most of the time I, I didn't necessarily, like, I probably went for audition for parts maybe like half a dozen times. Um, and I took, I did take on some like smaller roles and I'd have like a few lines to say, or I'd have like um, part of a song to sing. Or, That's so but, scary. <laughs> But it was never like, oh, I'm going to go for this leading role and yeah. like dominate the whole stage. It was never anything like that. But yeah, the, the audition phase is quite like nerve wracking because obviously it's just you and like people are judging you directly. <laughs> and then sometimes if you're like singing and you like hit a flat key or something because you just suddenly <laughs> realise that people are watching you. It's quite nerve wracking, but it's also quite exhilarating like being on stage and it's just a really fun environment to be in and like there's all the the backstage stuff that comes with it and like being in show week itself is like there's such a buzz around it and um, we all used to love it we'd get like t-shirts printed for every show that we did and so we'd all have the same t-shirts on backstage and just little things like that it was more for me um like being part of a community and just being with other like like-minded people and yeah just having fun having a laugh and it was like a couple of evenings a week. So it was something different, like to go from school to then go to rehearsals. Um, and then there'd typically be like one day at a weekend where we'd have rehearsals as well for a few hours. And so it was just something really nice to do that kind of not like filled, filled your time as such, but it was something different to like being at school and going home and doing your homework. Yeah. <laughs> um, the things I remember most from that time in my life is tech week. Mm -hmm. uh, and the dinner after the last show were those yeah. the most like memorable <clears throat> parts to you too yeah so um 
there was always that day like before the show week where you have um yeah like the, the tech run and the um the costume run and all the band comes in and everything like comes together because prior to that you obviously have been rehearsing without costumes without the full orchestra and so that tech day when you're there and there's all the lighting and everything's like coming together it's really exciting um I think there's just like a different buzz about it and everyone's just so looking forward to that following week and everyone knows that their family's there watching them and yeah it's it's, it's a really there's like such a buzz about that that first like tech rehearsal and then the whole of show week and then like you say at the end there was always that like after party where <laughs> book you'd basically book out like a I don't know, like an all-you-can-eat Chinese restaurant or something, and there'd be like a hundred of you there, and and then one of the mums would like host a little after party, and you'd go back and um and like sort of carry on there and kind of celebrate like that the week's gone so well and that kind of thing. So yeah, it was a big part of my life when I was younger. It was a good ten years or so that I was part oh, of wow. that. So there was a lot of shows and a lot of um a lot of tech rehearsals and a lot of yeah band calls and after show parties and things. Um yeah. Wait, so was this, you said this wasn't connected to your school? This no, was it was like, um, interesting. Yeah, it was outside, outside of school. So it was more of, um, it was like, it was in Rotherham, like the rehearsal place was in Rotherham in the town. So you, you had like, I say kids, like it was, it was from eight to 18. Um, so I literally started and finished at kind of like the, the youngest and oldest age roughly, or maybe I was about 10, I forget. Maybe I started when I was about 10. Um, but I was there for like a good number of years. And yeah, so there was like my school in Brunsworth where there was a few of us who went there, but then there were also other schools dotted all across Rotherham where other kids would go from. So everyone would be between those age brackets, but they were from all across the town, which was nice because it kind of expanded your friendship group a little bit further than just who you were in your maths class with or who you sat next to in English. So it was really nice. So was that a lot to manage as a kid? Like the the travel there and back, the homework, the school, the social time with your friends, was that a lot to juggle? I guess like when you say it like that, it, <laughs> sounds like, it does sound like quite a lot, but I've I've always liked to be busy like always mm. like I get really bored even now I get really bored like if I've got a few hours by myself <laughs> I'm terrible <laughs> like I have to like go and see someone I have to be doing something so I think for me it was just more I don't know I enjoyed filling my time with things that I enjoyed doing and, and somehow I kind of like managed to balance everything so I always remember rehearsals used to be like a Monday and a Thursday evening and a Sunday afternoon so outside of that there was still loads of other times to you know come back and do your homework on your other three nights and you still had Saturday when you might go and mm. visit like family and that kind of thing so it it kind of all just slotted in I suppose and um like my my mum was always really good with taking me to and from rehearsals or if she couldn't um like I had other friends obviously who I was at school with and who live really close and their parents would pick me up um, and we'd like travel together and so yeah it just kind of worked um yeah just just filled filled in <laughs> filled the time huh. yeah I, I I don't know I sometimes I do that too where um I'll be like doing either work 
or like this other project that I'm working on or this other project that I'm working on. And, and, uh, if I have an hour of doing nothing, sometimes I don't know what to do. And the other day, um, uh, my boyfriend was like playing video games and I just sat next to him and he's like, Hey, how are you doing? And I said, I am actively trying not to do work right now, but I don't know what else to do. So I'm just going to sit next to you and, and just like do nothing. And he just, <laughs> just watch, just watch the video game. <laughs> and he's like, okay, do you, do you, do you need anything? I'm like, no, I'm just actively trying not to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's important though, isn't it? To like, to make yourself stop for a little while I think we probably forget sometimes how important it is to do that um but I'm like you everything's just like a million miles an hour and I I always like to be doing something or seeing someone or yeah just always into something and on top of like the the theater part and school um were you also into like community fundraising was that like a part of high school for you um, not of high school, um, but it was when I went to university. Um, mm, okay. So in my second year at university, I got involved with, um, it was called the RAG Society. Like most universities had one, like a raising and giving society. Um, and they'd have loads of different projects going on all throughout the year. And you could kind of choose what to get involved in, um, however big or small the task was or the fundraising was. Um, and so, yeah, that became like a bigger part of when I was at university I think I probably had the first year like just enjoying enjoying the year and going out and you know doing what everyone does in the first year of university and then the second year kind of came back and was like I want to I want to like get stuck into something and have something to focus on and like a challenge um Hmm. so me and my friend went to like a I don't know like an open evening or something where the where all the different societies have their little stalls out and that kind of thing um and we went to the rag society and there was like oh you can do the um the Inca trail uh, in Peru I think it is or you could go and do like Kilimanjaro the summit trek and there was loads of different like um challenges to get involved in and each of them had like um charities attached to them and fundraising amounts and so me and my friend just decided we'd sign up for um climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and raising about just under 3,000 each I think it was to go and do that and we had about eight or nine months to do it and I was like okay this sounds like a good challenge let's go gosh (laughs) so yeah it was good (laughs) was that your first uh taste of travel um no it wasn't um it's really interesting actually because of all the places in the world um like to go to twice I've been to Zanzibar twice which is a really like obscure place to go to (laughs) but um one one reason for that was after the Kilimanjaro climb you could like personally opt to pay for like five days afterwards and you could go to Zanzibar and it would be like a little bit of paradise after this summit trek so that was the second time that I went there but the first time was um in sixth form I think sixth form is the equivalent of when you said high school so like 16 yeah. to 18 yeah um the first time I went there was um I think I was like 17 and our sixth form had a connection with some primary schools in a village called Boiju and um, we went and we taught English maths and science over there um, and it was I think previously it had run as, a, as like an exchange but my, for my year group it was the year where we went from the UK over to Zanzibar and we taught there 
Um, so that was probably like the first taster of like a real kind of different travel experience. Um, I'd always been lucky enough to kind of go on family holidays and things growing up, but for somewhere super different, um, Zanzibar in, in sixth form was definitely like the biggest like culture shock and the biggest like different place I'd ever been to for sure. What were some of the culture shocks that you had to manage? Um, yeah so the main thing was like we were living without electricity or running water for the whole time we were there um wow minus like the last few days where we again like at the end I feel like it's a running thing of whenever you do something like that the last couple of days you can like you have the option to stay somewhere a little bit nicer to like finish the trip (laughs) off (laughs) so like the last few days we did stay somewhere a little bit nicer and, and we did have like little bungalows like near the beach for like the last three three or four days um but for the first two weeks of it um yeah it was like there was no running water so if you used the toilet that was in your room you'd have to go and like get a bucket of water from the rainwater tank outside and then like go like flush the toilet yourself um there was no electricity so you just had like a little candle in the room and then obviously you you were in your bed with like the big mosquito nets all around you and that kind of thing and it was just completely different to anything I'd ever ever experienced before um but I absolutely loved it it was it was amazing like just so different and then going into the schools um and the children like not having like tables and chairs like we are used to they'd like sit on the concrete floor or they'd just be like benches um and they'd still have chalkboards whereas we had the privilege of like interactive whiteboards and things like that so it was just so so different to go into schools and see what the children had access to and then to go back and stay in like a hotel in air quotes with no water or electricity um but it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had um yeah it was just totally different from anything else that I would have done yeah was the the Emma before that trip and the Emma after that trip were those two different people yeah I guess so a little bit um I remember coming home and thinking like I I really want to be a little bit more um conscious of like water waste and things like that um and like turning off lights in rooms when you're not using them and just being a little bit more conscious of like what we've been lucky enough to grow up with but then I also think on the flip side of that it's quite easy to settle back into what you are used to um so to like make a meaningful change I think is really really difficult but I definitely remember coming back and thinking god I'm actually so lucky to have like a warm shower in my house like next to my bedroom um but yeah yeah there there probably was a little shift in kind of how I went about like small behaviors and things like that yeah that reminds me of a a story that I heard one time where this guy Mm -hmm. he went on this outdoor adventure for like a couple weeks and he said that the him before the trip um he was like in this restaurant and uh they didn't have one of the things on the menu that he really wanted and he was like kind of in a bad mood about it and he said he after the trip he said the shower that he took was the most luxurious shower he had ever had in his life and he went to this restaurant and anything that was made for him was like the most delicious thing in the world 
do you like the 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 you within that week of like being there and then coming home um do you resonate with any of that yeah definitely um <laughs> it's funny actually because it was literally i remember quite vividly i was in the shower at home and i was having that thought process of wow i'm actually in like a hot running water shower <laughs> and i haven't had this for like two weeks and you know two weeks in the grand scheme of things it is nothing um yeah. but when it was such a a difference um I guess yeah it really does make you reflect on it and think about what you're lucky enough to have and and to have to have had as the norm as well you know for for the children that were there in in the town of Boiju and across Zanzibar as a whole island I guess their norm is what we experienced and which was quite a big culture shock for us and then for me to come back and see what my norm was and there to be such a difference um, I definitely remember feeling that you know I should be we should feel quite lucky and, and privileged to have to have grown up with that and to be in, in a country where you know the norm is to have hot running water and to have electricity <laughs> and that kind of thing so yeah I definitely resonate with that story yeah hmm. do you do you ever think about the people that you interacted with mm. yes there was um for a while afterwards so with us going um when we were in sixth form we obviously had to have like teachers with us as well because we were all like 18 and under and um a lot of the teachers that had gone they'd gone there previously so they kind of knew the other teachers in the school that we would got a partnership with and that kind of thing and I remember um one of the teachers at my school he was my science teacher and he also went on that trip and for a while afterwards he kept in touch and he'd keep giving us little updates about the head teacher Mr Mohammed um the boys you primary school and he'd like say oh they've just like they've just done this or they've just had x improvement done to like the the toilets or something like that <laughs> and, and he'd kind of like keep us updated on what was happening um over there so that was a really nice little connection to keep um even when we got back um and just kind of understand what was yeah what what continued to go on like in our absence i suppose it's it's weird because um uh sometimes if you are in like an environment where most people have the same are in the same situation as you like as a kid and i'm speaking from my experience um you think that what you have everybody has mm -hmm. and it's really weird because um eventually you'll meet somebody who who doesn't have that and my experience was um my church uh was sponsoring this family uh, to come to the U.S. Uh, from Sudan, and there were, one of their kids was my age, so I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna be my buddy, and like my mom was in charge of like all of these clothing donations from the church to try to like clothe their family, and they were a big family, and um, the the boy was in my mom's car with me, and we were driving around, and then my mom said, oh, we have to go to our house to go pick something up, we're just gonna do a detour on the way home, and uh he was sitting next to me and we pulled up to my driveway and he was like speechless and he and i was like what do you mean he said you get to live here <laughs> like like it was a i don't know like you get to uh, have this experience type thing and i looked at him and i said like my house isn't bigger than the other houses in this neighborhood or like this is this is normal and he looked at me and he was like 
no, it's not. What's <laughs> the difference? It, it was it was very very weird um, mm -hmm. to experience at that age because I like people can tell you what other experiences are like, but um, they're unless you actually see it, they're like just words. Um, yeah. You don't it doesn't connect or like especially to a kid that doesn't understand like the world outside her own footsteps. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's the closest experience that I could probably tell you about. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird thing. Sometimes if you overthink it, you'll go crazy, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. There's, like you say, I think you just, you take whatever you have as, as the norm, and then it takes something outside of that norm to make you realize that there are other, like, ways of living, there's other, there's other cultures, there's other traditions, um, and actually, compared to a lot of people we're very very fortunate and very privileged to to have had like the upbringings that we've that we've had and that kind of thing and and so moving on through your story uh, some an ex a time in people's lives that I, I like to focus on uh, is um like those those two years before you go to college because I think that there's a lot going on in your head of like, okay, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and all of this kind of stuff. And so I, I wanted to ask if we could go back a little bit and could you tell me about like the, the version of you that you were during those mm -hmm. two years, right before you went to school? Yeah. So, um, like 16 to 18 like pre-university I guess I was yeah. trying to like marry up there with like, the college <laughs> high school <it's> been, um, <laughs> yeah so I think um between 16 and 18 I think I was quite a different person to what I was prior to that and I know we're kind of focusing on like the 16 to 18 window but yeah, yeah. um like prior to that I was very very um quiet and very sort of like head down get on with schoolwork um I was always seen as like the boff. I don't know if you've ever heard of that term before. What is that? <laughs> like like a bit of a nerd, like someone oh. who always like does pretty well in school and just like gets on and never like gets in trouble or anything like that. Um, I kind of just probably just slipped under the radar really. I wasn't, I wasn't particularly like known or anything throughout my school years. And I remember... Um, like turning sort of 16 and going into sixth form um so high school I think the equivalent mm -hmm. um and thinking to myself like I need to be a little bit more like confident in myself and a little bit more out there and I think it probably helped that um the sixth form community was much smaller so like you go through secondary school and your year group probably got like 300 people in there um and then sixth form had more like 80 or 100 that had stayed because people have gone to other colleges and things like that um but I remember going into sixth form and and thinking like I need to make like a conscious effort to kind of push myself and do things that are a little bit more different um and that was probably one of the reasons why I got involved with the whole teaching in Zanzibar thing and that came uh, towards the end of my first year of of sixth form and I think that probably the experience of going to a different culture and yeah the culture shock and kind of meeting different people and that kind of thing probably opened my eyes to things quite a bit quite a bit more um and I probably came back from that quite different uh, and then kind of deciding what to do at university 
I suppose for me, it was always like, what do I enjoy doing? Um, that's what I'm going to continue doing sort of thing. So I, I never really went to university thinking, oh, I have to do this course because I want to go into this career. Mm. It was always one of those things where I sort of thought, I want to go to university for the experience and the independence. And at that point thinking, oh, like I'd like to have a degree and the qualification <laughs> side of things. Um, but choosing what to do was very much like, what do I, what subjects am I enjoying studying at the moment? And then that kind of made my decision for me, I suppose. And I did a joint honours of English language and French. Um, and then that opened more doors into going and living in France and that kind of thing. And so I guess you kind of just snowballed from, from that point. It's interesting that you like to focus on that because I never really thought about it before, but it's quite a pivotal age, isn't it? Um, 16 to 18, like a lot does happen that kind of shapes your next steps when you when you reflect on it it's uh i feel like there's there's a lot of uh people asking you what you want to do with your life mm. when uh i remember somebody explained this to me one time they were like um i don't know just like you you see so little of what like the world is and yeah. people are asking you to make a, a decision that's going to impact like the rest of your life. I mean, you can always change course, but at the time, it it definitely seems like this is the be all and end all. Like this is what you're going to be forever, and all of this kind of stuff. And um, it's it's it, there's a lot of pressure in that age, and sometimes uh, how people experience it, how people react to it, is is really interesting. So that's why I like that time. <laughs> yeah yeah it is a lot goes on in that time period doesn't it and like you say it's hard to know when people are asking you oh what are you going to do and what are you going to be and I think there's probably quite a few milestones along the way that at the time they feel massive but actually when you look back at them it's like yeah do you know what you could kind of do anything and then change course <laughs> in the future like I remember um being in year nine so like the equivalent of I don't know what grade but like age 13 or 14 and you had to make your like subject choices for what you wanted to do your GCSEs in. So that, that, that moment there was like, oh my God, what do I want to do my GCSEs in? Because then that's going to affect the next step of like my A-levels. And then what do I do my A-levels? Because then that's going to shape what I can do at university. And it's like, there are so many different milestones. And actually, I think when you get to sort of our age now and you reflect on it, you probably could have done anything. And as long as you're progressing like personally and and developing those more transferable skills I think that is actually more important than what subject or what career are you like setting yourself on um but at the time it seemed like that is the biggest and most important thing in your life doesn't it I remember like here in the U.S. like the biggest thing for us is the SATs um <laughs> and like the score that you get and then everybody's constantly asking you what your score is and that's like the the one important test for college and it's like such a such a thing but i think i have an idea in my head of like what i would say to a kid that's going so if, if there was a kid listening to this that was like that's exactly where i am right now and it sucks and i feel so overwhelmed I'm not really quite sure what I would say to them, but at this point in your life, do you think that you would know what to say to them? I feel like I would, um, but I feel like my advice would be 
to choose what you enjoy doing. And I feel like I can only really maybe give that advice because of, of going through, uh, like five, I had five years in, in teaching. And so I've, I've had a lot of children like come to me with those sort of questions and had a lot of conversations around what do I, what do I take as my options? What do I do as my next steps after GCSE? And I've always, always been a really firm believer of just doing what you enjoy, because if you enjoy it, you will naturally keep going and going and going at it until you do well at it, because it's something that you enjoy. But if you're going to choose a subject because like mum wants me to be a lawyer or dad wants me to be a doctor or other people are like trying to mould you into a certain career, I think it makes it really hard because there isn't the enjoyment factor there. So I would, mm-hmm. I, if, if someone said to me right now, like, what do I do at this point? I'd probably just say to them, well, what do you enjoy doing? Because that's more than likely going to be the right route to follow. Um, so yeah, that'll be my advice. <laughs> and, and also if they're looking at that and they're like, I like, let's use music, music as an example. Like I really enjoy music. Um, but I don't know if I could ever be like a pop star and I don't know what else I want to do in life. I feel like there are so many other things to do even within music mm-hmm. to like have a totally fulfilled life. There's so many people involved that you you could work with all of these different people. Like you being interested in one thing might just be a uh, a good compass to use to say, yeah. let me explore all of these options that are like in this world. Do you think that's also good advice? Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes just taking one step can then open up a lot of different sort of pathways, if you like, because it might be that, you know, like you say, you're, you've got a real passion for music. You, you could say to someone, well, um, start learning a certain instrument or set yourself the challenge to write a song or start a YouTube channel and give yourself the challenge of like posting five videos or something of yourself singing. And then just taking that first step then might open up some other doors that you've not actually thought about yet. You know, you might start a YouTube channel and that might snowball and opportunities might arise from that. Or, you know, you might learn an instrument and end up learning to play multiple different instruments that you kind of found a passion for or something. I don't know. I think just taking the first step then can like open up a lot of different pathways that you might not have even considered yet when you made that comment about like um uh uh, kids saying like oh my mom wants me to be this my dad wants me to be this did you ever were you ever on the receiving end of somebody telling you that like a student and was that like a tough situation to try to respond to yeah um I'm trying to like pinpoint an example I don't I can't like put my finger on an exact like moment but there's certainly been I've certainly had conversations where young people have felt like they just don't know which way like which way to turn because they've really enjoyed doing something that's maybe like artistic and creative but their parents are more concerned about well you you ought to go to college and study a more academic subject or something like that um, and I think that, that's probably something that a lot of people experience um, because for some reason I think there is a bit of a not a stigma as such but a lot of people tend to look at the more creative subjects in, in schools and almost feel like there isn't a career as such mm. to come out of it and so I think naturally I don't know like a lot of parents and things 
try to encourage their children to do more of your typically academic subjects so they can fulfill this idea of like getting a job um but that's not always like the right path for everyone and um, it depends on what you enjoy and how you best learn and yeah I don't know it's a really difficult point for young people I think to decide subjects and next steps in their like career pathways and things it's really difficult yeah I think also like another thing when it comes to all of that is uh um a lot of parents they they look at uh certain careers as safe and certain mm -hmm. careers as my kid is not going to be safe and one day I'm not going to be able to provide for them and they're not going to be able to provide for themselves. So I think that there's an element of, of fear when it comes to that. But I also think that the world has changed so much that there are so many careers that these parents like don't even know are options and mm -hmm. might even make like dwarf the income of these safe things that they have in their mind. So I don't know. I think it's a little bit of like not really knowing the full uh gamut of options <laughs> that yeah, are out there I, I definitely agree with that because you you think about like 100 years ago for example and like 1920s 1930s i don't know like our, our grandparents and great grandparents they could probably say with like 80 percent certainty that their son or daughter was going to go into x career because it was just the norm and like generation after generation you'd follow in the footsteps and you know you, your son you'd want them to become like a factory foreman and, and that was like the go-to and like working your way up in those sort of industries that had been around for so many years but now because things are moving so fast paced you know the job that a 12 year old now is going to do that that job probably doesn't even exist right now mm -hmm. um, so how can they possibly decide what it is that they're going to go and do <laughs> if it doesn't exist yet and it, it's crazy because if you go back 10 years 20 years ago like you know the metaverse and nfts and cryptocurrency and, and all that kind of realm that didn't exist so if you were to ask a 10 year old in like 2010 like what do you want to go and do well they wouldn't have even been able to answer that but yet in 2025 they are i don't know working on the blockchain <laughs> they didn't exist when when they got asked so because everything's so fast-paced i think it makes it really difficult to know I just think it's almost impossible now to say what what job or career you exactly want because it's just changing so quickly yeah and and to to finish up with this this uh second part of your life uh the the you that the version of you that you were when you started your first year uh in university versus you the, the week of university graduation. Um, do you think that those were different people? That's a hard question. I feel like, yes, but that's probably just because when I graduated, I had more direction in terms of, I had a job lined up and I had like a, a trading program lined up and I was like ready to start and get going with that. Um, so maybe I felt like I had sort of matured more because I had that typical sort of job like to go into. Whereas that first week, first year of university, I think most people go into that just to kind of live their best life, I suppose, <laughs> and just enjoy themselves. And um, yeah, and kind of, I think the first year of university is more about 
building your independence and it's, for most people it's the first time where they've lived by themselves as in away from their parents who have probably cooked their tea most evenings and, <laughs> and that kind of thing and it's just that first year is more about that growth and independence I think whereas towards the end of it like four years down the line I had had different experiences of living abroad and working in different environments and then I kind of had my teacher training lined up and and so I was probably a little bit more in my own mind like a bit more settled and what I'd like to think was a little bit more mature um Mm -hmm. because of I kind of had those next steps lined up if that makes sense were you excited to graduate or were you nervous yeah I think I was excited um more than nervous yeah it was like it's definitely the end of an era I remember on the graduation day like all of my housemates who I'd lived with um, throughout the final year like we were like just all celebrating together and you do the whole like hat throw in the air thing and everyone's got like their glass of champagne and I think it was more exciting and, and celebratory than than nervous really but at the same time it was quite sad because we'd all had these three or four years of amazing different experiences and then suddenly we're all kind of like parting ways and it's like another little chapter of your life that is like it's like oh that's the end of that one and on to the next and um so yeah it's it's like I guess it's an emotional day but it was definitely more exciting than nervous I think for me yeah I don't want to bypass the the Disneyland Paris part of your life (laughs) yeah and you were a cast member and you had your your uh um your badge that said uh, it was uh, Emma Louise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so tell me about that part of your life. <laughs> oh, yeah, so Disney was like a a huge part of my um what would you like undergraduate life if you like. Um so at the end of my first year uh, from studying English language and French, I was kind of thinking to myself, I need to do something over this summer where I go and spend some time in France, because what I found was a lot of people on my course, they were like a year older than me and they'd done the whole gap year thing before university and they'd all spent a year somewhere French speaking. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm crap in comparison. <laughs> I've not had this experience of like going to France and being immersed and speaking the language. Um So it kind of pushed me to think, right, I need to use those, like, you get like a three-month summer, don't you, at university, which is crazy. And it just made me think, right, I need to go and actually work somewhere in France. Um, And then I can't remember how I actually found Disney as an option. I honestly can't remember. But it became an option, and there were some interviews in London, um, and I, like, applied online. And um, they said, yeah, it would be great, we'd love to, like, meet you. And I ended up getting the train down and having this interview, and it was terrifying because they did the interview in French yeah and my heart was just pounding the whole way through and I was thinking oh I came out of it like I said this wrong and like I knew I'd made like a few mistakes but I suppose they weren't looking for like perfection they were looking Mm -hmm. for someone who like speak a bit of both languages and I guess who was quite friendly and personable because at the end of the day you're you're like greeting people on their holidays and stuff you've got to be upbeat all the time um but yeah I got my first contract through for that summer and it was for three months and that first contract I was working as a waitress in Agrabah Cafe um, oh wow Aladdin themed one which was really cool um so I had like the big like harem pant style trousers on and like the waistcoat thing and like because everyone was like yeah so (laughs) 
they just like put you up in hotels and stuff like that and I just lived with like two Latvian girls and they were like hey Emma you're gonna be living with these two girls I was like oh right okay hi <laughs> um and so I spent three months living in a hotel um and like working in the in the restaurant and then the following two summers um I did the the same thing um but I worked in Emporium so I just I don't know why I'm naming these places like, yeah yeah like no knows what they are but what's Emporium so Emporium's the the big shop that when you walk into the Magic Kingdom in Disneyland Paris, um, it's on the left hand side of like Main Street, and it's the huge like merchandise shop um, with all the white wow. sort of pillars outside. And so I had two contracts, um, two summers where I worked there. They were about three months each again, um, but it was just really fun. Like I, mean, I guess as you'd imagine, like working at Disneyland is pretty fun. Everyone's kind of happy all the time, and on your days off, you can get the tube into Paris and you can go into the parks and go on the rides for free and all that kind of thing so that was definitely a really exciting part of my life it was I guess one of those moments where you were quite carefree because mm-hmm. you went and did your shift and then you left and there was a lot of like parties going on or you'd go into Paris and it was just quite just a really good time I guess <laughs> in your life yeah yeah it definitely was yeah I really enjoyed it um And, and you did this for uh, two summers, right? Um, three. So I Three had, summers. Yeah, I had the summer at the end of my first year of university. Um, the summer at the end of my third year, which was spent abroad anyway. So mm-hmm. you would normally just do the academic year abroad, but then I stayed for the summer as well and went back to Disneyland. And then I actually did the summer just as I'd graduated. So I, I graduated and then I stayed overnight and got and I flew out to Paris the next day. And then I came back about three days before I started my teacher training. <laughs> so oh it was my like my goodness. last little stint. <laughs> my last little stint of like, carefree sort of lifestyle before reality hit and I was like right I'm gonna come back from Disneyland and be a teacher (laughs) um so yeah I did three three contracts there through the summers what were your I don't know okay so I have two questions you can choose whichever you want to answer (laughs) the first question is um did you have any thoughts on hey maybe I want to live in France maybe I want this to be my my life not just my summer and the second question is um were there any hesitation or um weird conflicting feelings about coming back and then doing something that's totally different from what you were doing in France yeah so I'll try and answer both um I guess the the last time that I went out it was it was a weird feeling because I knew I was coming back to teaching, which was something s- like so much more different. And kind of in my head, it was like a more like mature kind of pathway. And it was like entering a proper career. And so I think I probably um, treated that summer a little bit differently, I guess. And I remember sometimes feeling almost like I was too old to be there. And that might sound really silly, but because a lot of people who go for those seasonal contracts are like, undergraduates or they're doing a gap year you tend to find that a lot of the seasonal staff are like between 18 and 21 and I wasn't really far outside that I was only 22 but 
I don't know I just in my own head maybe it's because I was coming back and and knowing that I was going into my teacher training I almost felt oh yeah I feel a bit a little bit old for like all the partying (laughs) (laughs) even though I wasn't at all but there was definitely a little bit of a difference in that final contract probably just because I knew what I was coming back to Mm -hmm. um and then the other question was did I ever think about making it more permanent and the answer is yes because I came back and I'd always had in my head like oh I'll, I'll, I was entering a two-year teacher training um course so you start and you're like completely unqualified but you you have a mentor and you teach a few lessons and you kind of have that guidance over those two years and then you get assessed and you've put together this big portfolio and all that kind of thing and you you get your like accreditation and so I always thought I'll do that for two years I'd like move back home and like save up some money and then I would go and work abroad um Mm -hmm. whether that was France or somewhere else I just kind of always had in my head that that would happen um but then I don't know things kind of like change and alter the course and direction and I never ended up doing that (laughs) but I did still like travel a lot like every school holiday that I had I would go on a different holiday and explore a different country but yeah I never actually ended up moving anywhere permanently which is interesting (laughs) it's funny how uh, I have this phrase I don't know where it came from but I I I say it often it's a if I got everything that I wanted exactly when I wanted it I wouldn't be who I am now and I honestly don't know if I would be that much happier Mm. do you ever when, when you think about this this like thought you had of um uh what you thought that might happen versus like the way reality panned out do you have any relation to that thought yeah I definitely agree because I think had I stuck to that and I'd gone and I was teaching abroad or something I definitely wouldn't be sat here right now we wouldn't be having this conversation beyond agency wouldn't exist like you know there's there's so many other things that have happened because I didn't make the move to go abroad um I met Chris in that time um and I we both spoke about going and living abroad together and maybe doing a year abroad somewhere but then again like paths kind of changed and I don't know we've ended up kind of staying UK based but still trying to travel quite a lot not recently because of the whole COVID thing that's hit everybody but mm-hmm. prior to that we'd still travel a lot um but we just never made that permanent move anywhere um but yeah I certainly agree like if everything had happened how you kind of planned it to like you, we certainly wouldn't be where we're at now and that's for sure yeah my favorite travel photo that I found <laughs> was you and Chris with like hiking gear on and taking a photo uh, in this like hotel mirror and both of you were sad that you were leaving. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know, I know the exact one that you mean. <laughs> we were so sad to leave there. Um, so that hotel was Marina Bay Sands in Singapore. And wow. I don't know if you've seen a picture of it before. It's, it's quite an iconic building. It's got like three pillars to it. And then it's almost got like what looks like a cruise ship across the top. Um, wow. And it's got like the infinity pool and stuff on, uh, on the rooftop, like 50 stories high or something. 
Um, and basically that summer we'd gone traveling for the whole of my six week holiday. Um, and we went around Thailand, Malaysia and Singapore. And we'd done the whole trip like relatively cheaply. Um, but then when we were in Singapore, we were like, right, we're going to do one night in this Marina Bay Sands hotel. And to us, it felt like extortionate. We, the, the one night was like 300 pounds or something for the hotel, which you can obviously spend in London or a lot of like capital cities. But it felt super expensive because we'd previously been doing like a whole week for that in Thailand or maybe wow. even longer. <laughs> so to splash out like that was was crazy. But it was the most insane hotel I've ever stayed in. Like you walk in to the room and um, like the, the curtains were like automatic and the shutters were automatic and the decor was just stunning. And then there was the rooftop infinity pool that looked over the whole of the marina in Singapore. Um, so yeah, that was why we had this. We just stayed one night and then left. And we were like, oh, I wish we could have done this for longer. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where the photo's from. That's such a weird experience. It's it's so special. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was um, it was like our our treat night, I suppose. And like we ate in the hotel restaurant that was there, and it felt like it was extortionate in comparison to the rest of the trip. But it was like such a treat, and it was towards the end of the trip as well. It was about three days before we flew back home, so it was such a nice way to like end the whole um. The whole six weeks didn't um but yeah it was a really really cool hotel I'd, I'd definitely go back there yeah definitely recommend I think at, at this part in your story um I'd like to know uh where Chris comes into the story and if somebody's listening they might not know even who Chris is <laughs> yes yeah I know I've not mentioned him yet we're like an hour in and he's <laughs> Um, and I know, I know you're speaking to Chris soon as well, so I'm careful, like not to not to cross over too much with what he might be talking to you about because oh, it's totally um, fine. <laughs> so Chris is um, he's the other co-founder of Beyond Agency, but also my partner, so business partner and life partner, I guess. Um, so Chris came into my life in 2016. Um, and at that point I was going through my teacher training um, Chris was working at a brand agency and um, we met online. We were <laughs> a little online dating success story. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we met online um, in, oh, I don't even know, like June of 2016. And then we kind of like went on, our, on the first few dates in July and then August, we had like this whole month gap of not seeing each other because I'd planned a travel trip of like four weeks around Europe with a friend um, oh, before wow. I'd even like met Chris. So I'd had this trip planned and we were like, oh, OK, so we might, we've like just started something. But there's this whole whole month now um, and we're not really going to speak. But we still like kept in touch and message like whenever I had Wi-Fi and things like that and then came back and um yeah, I think so like September 2016 was really sort of when we like became a couple, I suppose. And then um, sort of a year later, we bought our home together, moved in oh, together. Wow. And then during that first year of living together was where the first kind of conversations about beyond started happening and um, sort of planning ahead for that, I suppose, and how it might all pan out. Um and it was Chris that kind of led that, I suppose, because so he's always been very like entrepreneurial, like minded, business minded. And 
he'd previously worked um, in a lot of different creative roles as graphic designer, as a brand, as head of design, those kind of things. And he'd always wanted to kind of go separate and make a focus on web and web design. Um, so over that sort of year of like 2018, the plan was like put in motion of Chris gradually becoming like part-time at where he was working. And then he eventually like handed his notice in. And then 2019, like beyond kind of was created. Um, and it was, it was Chris. And then over that year, the plan was for me to kind of phase out of my role because um, he was doing all the web design and build in, in Webflow. It obviously allowed him to do like the whole process. Um, and then a lot of my weekends, I would spend working on like the, the copywriting, like having mm. my background in English um, and languages and things like that. I just felt like a natural sort of merge together of our skills, I guess. So I'd spend a lot of weekends like working on projects with him, doing the copywriting for it, um, you know, learning SEO skills and techniques and that kind of thing to kind of bring our skills together. And then 2020 was I handed my notice in um, the school I was working in um, pre pandemic, which was which was weird because then <laughs> I'd already handed my notice in. So I had like no job as of August 2020. But suddenly oh, we were wow. like through into this pandemic and I was like, oh, my God, have I just given up my job and like everything's going to go to crap. <laughs> but it actually just um, it, it went like it skyrocketed, I suppose, because the space that we're in it's obviously grown and grown and gone from strength to strength because everybody's everybody moved online didn't they as as the pandemic hit um and then from that point we've just grown the team um we're six now um so yeah over the last couple of years the main focus has been on beyond and working together and living together and so yeah it's like 24 7 um yeah live together work together building beyond kind of building that little empire and trying to sort of get more immersed into different into the community and the webflow community that side of things um but yeah I'm, I'm, I feel like I rambled on there for like how Chris came into my life and where, where we're at now but yeah that's that's the story <laughs> that is such a whirlwind yeah, I'm sorry. I've like thrown loads at you there. No, no, no. Yeah, it. I feel like there's a lot of trust in that whole story, like the story of moving in together, the story of trusting him that, hey, we can go do something and I'm going to leave this thing that seems more solid and seems more tangible than this mm -hmm. thing that is more an idea or a, or a hope that could happen, but there's no guarantees. Is there something about him to you that makes you trust him that much? Yeah, I think Chris is just great at, he's like, he's the visionary and he'll, he'll have an idea and he'll be able to picture it, like working out and where it's gonna go. And he's, he's very good at being very decisive and saying, you know, right, we're going to do this and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that it works out. So I think having that as Chris's personality, I don't know, as kind of like a natural leader in that process and kind of he's got his like heart set on something and I know that if he's passionate about something, it will happen, which I guess mm -hmm. kind of just makes me trust him implicitly about it because 
at the end you know if, if he, he's that passionate about it like it can't it can't fail if that makes sense <laughs> um, he will throw everything he has at it <laughs> yeah he, he absolutely will and he's yeah he just had that vision sort of way back in 2018 of what beyond could be and kind of the stepping stones that we needed to do to get there um and and, it, and it's it's worked you know like, like we we've done that together Chris was kind of um by himself for that first sort of year and then I kind of kind of came on board for a year or so and then the team we've kind of built out the team over the last year um and it's like all those little stepping stones right from the start Chris was really good at at seeing that and being able to visualize it um so yeah he's definitely like the the visionary one um and yeah when he's got his heart set on it that's it it will happen (laughs) you know I was thinking a lot about talking to you today because it's so such a unique thing for me to talk to you for two hours and this episode won't be out by the time uh, Chris and I talk, so he won't hear it yet. So I think something that's kind of cool that I wanted to ask you is um, knowing him, um, how do you think uh, he would describe you? um I think he would say so one of his favorite words would be bubbly bubbly yeah and I think by that I guess the reason we're quite a good pair is because I mean I say extrovert I'm not an extrovert in that I go out and I like to be the center of attention by no means but in the in the pair that we are I'm more of the extrovert side and he's more of the introverted side so I think Chris would say that I'm more of the like friendly sort of approachable um like open to like easy conversation and, and that kind of thing um maybe <laughs> I'll, have I'll have to ask him <laughs> I'll be interested it's like the it's like that Mr and Mrs show and it's like are they gonna say this um but yeah I think he'd say quite bubbly friendly um like approachable I hope kind um yeah I think that's what he'd say about me uh we'll see I suppose time will tell (laughs) I remember that 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 question uh idea came from an interview that I had one time and uh that somebody was interviewing me for a job and uh, it was really funny because it was like a really long interview. And she said, I want to get to know you for real. And I said, okay. And she said, um, uh, who knows you Who knows you best? And I said, well, probably my boyfriend. <laughs> and she said, okay, well, how would he describe you? And it was really funny because, uh, and she said, and, and like, tell me honestly. And I said, um, the first thing he'd probably say is worries a lot. <laughs> <laughs> stresses out about stuff and then gets an A or or stresses out about stuff and then nothing falls apart but she's like so so nervous that things are going to happen and then nothing happens but i don't know do you do you ever feel that way too um a little although i kind of try not to get myself too stressed about things i was a little nervous yeah. obviously like coming on and speaking with you today and it's like it's the first time I've, I've like been on a podcast and that kind of thing but in general I'm quite like I don't like to let things like um stress me out too much so I just think mm-hmm. 
kind of take it as it comes and we'll find a solution to it um and it's almost like there is going to be a solution we've just got to find it and by sort of panicking and worrying too much I'm probably not fixing the problem um so and I'm saying that now as like a level-headed like trying to reflect on it but I'm sure there will have also been times where I've absolutely stressed out and gone crazy (laughs) (laughs) but in general I try to I try to keep quite calm and steady and just like deal with it like head on I suppose and just try to to solve the situation (laughs) I guess that's the that's the um correct way of doing it I'm sure it doesn't always work out like that (laughs) I'm pretty certain if you ask Chris this question I'm sure he'll be able to pick up some point where I've gone absolutely crazy and (laughs) I'm sure he will um uh, I, I are, are you comfortable with me uh asking you questions about like relationship or is that a little too far no go for it go for it dig in <laughs> <laughs> and if it's too much you just let me know um okay. so uh I, I was really excited to talk to you because um you have a relationship in which uh from the outside it seems like there's a lot of trust there's a lot of um uh, sharing your life, uh, um, working together and things like that. And, uh, it seems like, like a very committed relationship. Hmm. And, uh, I've experienced a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say this, like weird pushback to that. Uh, I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know what it is, but, um, a lot of people, and and more women than men have come up to me and like seen that I was in a committed relationship that was going well for a couple of years and tell me that like how do I say this the right way they, they, they would come up to me and tell me um that I hadn't seen enough people yet that uh, I didn't know uh, I was too young to commit to anybody um that I didn't know what I was doing, all of this kind of stuff. Uh, and and then it was very strange because I was like, well, what if I, I know that I'm happy? What if I know that this is the person I want to be with? But I, it was like an overwhelming thing from a- American women coming up to me saying like, you don't know how to make your own decisions when it comes to this. Have you ever gotten that? Um not not like that I don't think um I think mainly people probably look at at me and Chris and think god how do you live together and work together and do everything together because we work like well because we're a remote agency we work from home and obviously yeah. live at home so I think for the most part people probably look at, at the relationship from that side and think god how do you basically live inside each other's pockets I suppose <laughs> um but in terms of sort of saying how you've not um, like experienced other relationships or anything like that, I've not really had that. Um, but I, I met Chris when I was uh, 23, maybe just turned 24. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, around that. We, so we've been together for like five and a half years now. Um, so 23? Yeah, I'm trying to do the math. (laughs) 
<laughs> not my forte clearly <laughs> um but at that point I think I, I don't know nobody really said to me like oh are you ready for this like serious committed relationship because I guess it's kind of what I was I at that age I kind of I, I wanted a more longer term serious relationship because I'd not really had that so Chris was mm-hmm. very much like my first um real sort of serious relationship actually um and that's probably just because of the nature of like I moved around a lot with my year abroad at university and then university in itself like I don't know I just didn't treat that as a a relationship time period of my life um but I think I probably came out and then at that age of sort of 23 24 I felt ready to think actually I, I would quite like to be in a more serious relationship at this point in my life and so everyone around me kind of knew that so there wasn't ever really any pushback um mm-hmm. like you you say you've experienced which which kind of shocks me actually and um, that that people kind of have that um that those ideas that you know you 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 can't make your own decisions or you need to have experienced other relationships like that shocks me that people would say that to you um I think it's unfair because it's everyone's own decision like who they're in a relationship with and that kind of thing and at what point that comes I don't think anybody can really judge if someone else is ready for that or not so that that shocks me quite a bit that you've experienced that um but yeah I guess luckily I I I haven't which is which is good I suppose (laughs) I don't know it was it was just like it, it does mess with your head though um when people tell you that kind of stuff uh because you start thinking like, am I not? Like, am, can I not take care of myself? Can I not do all of these things? And um, it's 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 really weird. And so uh, sometimes when I see people like you, <laughs> uh, it's 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 nice because um, I'm trying to like think through what I am trying to communicate. So it's not like not what I mean um it, it's nice to see someone being able to trust somebody else and mm-hmm. uh do that and and be supported in it um I don't know it's just it's just, it, it sucks it does <laughs> like like uh uh when when people in, in your life come up to you and they're like you need to go experience more or you're not ready or all of this kind of stuff I'm like is this your life like last time yeah. I checked it's not <laughs> yeah that seems really unfair of them to say that and I personally I, I feel like it's not really their their place to criticize your relationship because if you're happy then that's you know that's the main thing I don't think anybody else can can judge that from the outside I think that's yeah. really yeah, it's really harsh. <laughs> yeah. But um but moving forward like I I saw this picture um of you that I thought was really interesting. It was a picture of you with your badge, or your teacher's badge on your first day and you on your last day. Mm. That is so nerve-wracking. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine myself in that situation and you were telling me that like it wasn't 100% uh certain what was going to happen um what what was your life at that point was it was it a lot of doubt was it a lot of like nervousness um I think excitement because 
so the way it came about was um so chris had left his role um sort of 2019 set up beyond uh, had been doing things by himself with me kind of at the weekends for quite a while and it got to that point where i kind of joined him on seeing that vision for the future and you know kind of seeing where right okay where this can go and this is really exciting um so we kind of made a plan between ourselves like let's just make sure we've got enough like runway so we're, we're like financially stable so when when I get to x amount saved up I'm gonna hand my notice in and that's what happened so I got to like February of 2022 and like that was it I was like right I've, I've hit that goal I know that we're going to be fine for like literally a year if nothing happens like we know we're okay so it's kind of like it wasn't a risk we like de-risked it if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so I was more excited than anything and also because the the sort of two-pronged approach to it was we'd be working together and kind of seeing the vision of where we could take beyond but we'd also always had in the back of our minds that for that sort of like first six months or so of me having left teaching so by like August 2020 we would go and spend some time traveling as well and then kind of come back and really sort of establish things um so part of me handing my notice in was also me thinking oh my god okay we're going to go away and see all these amazing places and what we do we can do from anywhere in the world um so it was more of an exciting um exciting thing to do it was emotional because I'd been at that school for three years and obviously Mm -hmm. made a really sort of close-knit relationship with my department and with I had a form so I had like 30 kids who I saw day in day out and it was really hard telling them what that was going to leave but it was exciting at the time um the one spanner in the works was then I'd handed in my notice in February 2020 and then lockdown hit in March and then we've never done that little travel stint that we said oh <laughs> so, um things did but then again we said earlier didn't we like if things did always pan out the way that you planned them we wouldn't be here today because we took that opportunity instead right we're in lockdown we can't do anything let's just crack on and let's accelerate things and like beyond just grew so everything does kind of happen for a reason but it was certainly I'd say a more exciting point um when I handed that notice in than like scared and nervous because we've done everything that we could to de-risk it and it was exciting things coming up that I was looking forward to doing so yeah I was definitely excited um well yeah the the two pictures sort of side by side I was like oh I need to try and get the same pose (laughs) (laughs) five years later one of the things I remember I remember thinking when I took that was oh my god I look so much older I've got all these crow's feet like this is you think so (laughs) but there we go yeah uh so when you say this um it it brings something up in my head um so when you were teaching was there a point where you felt like hey this isn't where I'm meant to be and I kind of feel a little trapped or was it I am enjoying this but I enjoy this other thing more because I enjoy it more that's where I'm gonna go yes it was definitely the latter it wasn't that I'd fallen out of love with teaching it wasn't that I was hating my role or anything um and in fact even when I left teaching I continued to do like some tutoring and things in the evening um as a bit of like a stopgap as like just in case and and I've always still enjoyed like working with with young people and children so it wasn't that I left that position because 
I hated it or I felt trapped or anything. It was because I'd had that taste of what me and Chris could build together, basically, mm-hmm. and how much more freedom it would give us in our lifestyles um, and what we could build and kind of build in something for ourselves. Um, and I think one thing, obviously, like being in a in a job role is kind of like, you know, you have that routine of doing the same thing sort of day in and day out and you've got that fixed sort of like salary at the end of the month but and and there's like a limited progression to that if that makes sense whereas Mm -hmm. building something that's me and Chris and we're in control of it there's no limits and that's really exciting in itself so yeah it wasn't that I left one thing because I hated it it was because I kind of found that there was something else that I also enjoyed that would open more doors for our future and more flexibility and when we start to think about like children and things like that just I don't know giving us more control over our own lifestyles and what we want to do I think yeah I think there are a lot of people out there that that feel a lot of the things that you were talking about um and they are someplace where they they do feel stuck um, they maybe they went into this major because their parents said it was a good idea and then they they went through university and they were like oh this isn't too bad and then they got into the actual place and it's real and this is not where they want to be um, and something that you said was, that was really important that actually I've done uh, was the whole um, uh, little by little saving up so that you can make this risk and have this little window um, uh, my my the place that I work now knows this, so I can talk about it here. But um, I I'm working someplace where I'm a user experience designer, and um, I'm I've learned so much there. But I realized that like, hey, maybe what I'm doing every day isn't what I want to be doing later on. Um, and I was I found all the Webflow stuff and everybody knows where this is going but um <laughs> I, I i made this little notion document and um uh it's uh i titled it escape plan and then i had like a little ninja emoji um <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it already i spent um like a while trying to calculate like what do i need to take care of myself for a year um that way I can like do all of these explorations and do client work and then do fun work. Like for me, projects that I'm working on that I think just, that I just think are cool and people might like. Um, and so I calculated up that amount and um, I made a plan and that plan starts on June 15th. And so it's very scary, but the, the whole idea of like giving yourself a window and and putting things away for yourself financially is a huge thing that I don't know many people. Um, it's such a simple thing, but I don't think a lot of people think about that. They kind of just think, oh, I'm stuck here until I retire. This is just my life now. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree with that. I think um, a lot of people kind of, once they're in that role, they kind of, they just get comfortable. And even if they do go home and they complain about um you know something's happened at work or that you know and you'll find some people they complain about the same thing over and over again and from a third from like an outside perspective like a third party perspective you think do something about it but 
you know, internally, <clears throat> they're kind of stuck in that position because either they they are financially dependent on that and they don't have that window or they they don't take what they think is a risk because they're not sure about if they'll if they'll get into a different role. Um, you know, it might be a confidence thing and they've been in that existing role for such a long time that they almost feel like they can't change and move out of it. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think a lot of people will be in that situation and you just kind of have to take a step back and just think, right, I'm in this role, you know, I might be like, you might be 50 in a role and thinking, oh, I've got like 15 years and I can retire, let's just slog it out. But you need to take that step back and think, well, that's still another 15 years. Like I need to do something that I actually enjoy doing. So what steps can I take that will allow me to kind of free myself and then go and do something that I enjoy doing? And yeah, the financial side of things is definitely, definitely a big, big factor and making sure there's that security. Um, and obviously everybody's situations are different, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I suppose if, if you've got a family and a partner that you're supporting as well, it perhaps makes things more difficult. That runway might need to be quite a significant amount more than, you know, if you're a single person or if you're a couple without any dependents and things like that. But yeah, I think it's so important to, to prepare financially, to kind of de-risk that. Um, and like I say, when we went into things and I'd handed my notice in, we knew like if we didn't get any any work in if no jobs or projects or anything came in for a year then we'd be fine and but yeah you just kind of have to set yourself up for for that um that set yourself up for that like worst case scenario to make sure you're covered I suppose yeah and and when you said that is that that's that's not something that everybody can do and I mm. I know that when even though I'm saying it but if if it's something that you can do and like just go for it (laughs) like if there's a way for you to do that just go for it because like i think on top of that not not any not everybody can do it so if you have the chance like these other people are probably dying for a chance to do that so like go and do that because even they would want you to do it Yeah. yeah yeah i totally agree with that if you've got the opportunity to do it then do it because I always think <clears throat> if it went wrong you would find a, a solution you'd find a backup you could go back into a similar role that you were in previously um but if you want something enough then you'll make it happen anyway so it's kind of like that there isn't a risk if you look at it like that there actually isn't a risk because if you've got that financial stability for a year or so whilst you're exploring something if you're really passionate about it, then you'll make it work. But if you're not, you can always go back into something else. So I suppose that's a mindset I, I had. And so your first year in Beyond, mm-hmm. was it a whirlwind? Were there a lot of lessons to be learned? Like, or even if you just want to narrow it down to like the first six months, what was that life like for you and Chris? Yeah, it was a a massive, massive learning curve because as much as, so we'd been doing projects, um, Chris kind of been freelance under the name of Studio Beyond at the time, um, now we're Beyond Agency, um, but Chris kind of working on web design and build projects and I was coming in and doing the content and it was very much like smaller projects, maybe through Upwork and platforms like that. Um, And then to transition to actually 
okay, we are operating as a company and we now need to make sure everything is in place and done properly. And so I kind of, I went through a lot of the learning curves of basically being like the accountant, the like HR, the, alongside doing the copywriting and the content and the SEO side of things that that comes naturally because of like my background and, and my expertise. But then I was also kind of learning the more business side of things, which I'd, I'd not had experience in previously. Um, so trying to understand all of that, um, you know, when do we become VAT registered? Like, how do we pay ourselves? Like, when do you do your corporation tax returns? And mm. who should we use as our accountant? And all of those like boring bits, but the necessary <laughs> bits running a business. Um, there, it was definitely a big, big learning curve. And then as the team has grown as well, and we've got more people working with us, um, I suppose just getting processes like, documented and everyone having access to those and having a you know a project management system in place and going from a point of everything kind of being in mine and Chris's heads um, and working together literally in the same room and being able to just talk talk things through um, getting those in a position where the rest of the team can access things and see what steps we go through and what we do at each stage um, that was also a learning curve in itself because previously it was just all in our heads and we had to figure out how do we get this how do we put this somewhere so that we can actually grow it now and everybody has access to it and there's a, a team space and that sort of thing so there's been so many learning like steps of milestones along the way and there's still tons more you know I think you're always learning um there's always like new tools and things to try out as well to streamline different processes and as you bring different people in they have different ideas about ways to do things and they bring their own expertise um and so yeah I guess a, a massive massive learning curve um over the first six months first year two years three years and literally beyond because I think we'll <laughs> always be learning and trying to like better everything that we do um yeah but it was exciting at the same time it's really exciting I've absolutely loved it and I, we love what we do day in day out and we still have a lot of late nights sometimes but like we it, but it's because we love what we're doing and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to like the best of our abilities um but yeah Le learning's good though it progresses you doesn't it? it progresses your knowledge it progresses processes and it just things get better from learning more so yeah, it's, it's good. It's been a really valuable experience to go through. Somebody told me once that um, uh, if the thing that you're doing isn't at first difficult and or scares you, then you're probably not growing. <laughs> yes, yeah. I recently about, um, what was it now? Something around being comfortable and seeing growth are like mutually exclusive so mm. like you can't have both of those things like to grow you have to put yourself outside of your comfort zone you have to do things that you're not used to otherwise you're not going to push forward whereas mm -hmm. if you know if you want to be comfortable in what you're doing that's fine and there's nothing wrong with that but you're probably not going to see much progression because you yeah. are just kind of comfortable and sort of taking it at a slower pace um so yeah definitely agree with that so you telling me a little bit about um, you when you were in more primary school, you you said that you were a little bit quieter and you kind of just like didn't take all of the attention in the room. You're kind of like, I'm here just 
going along with everybody else <laughs> that that you then i feel like a lot of people still keep the kid version of themselves with them they may change outwardly or they may overcome these things um but i i still feel that version of myself um the the, the girl that like didn't take too much attention i i didn't i was kind of a little bit shyer sometimes and so um sometimes when i uh i'm in positions where i i really need to tell somebody what to do or like i i'm in a leadership position and things like that there's a part of me in the back of my head that is like screaming and and hates it <laughs> but i can still do it and everything like that and I, I i can accomplish the thing and i'll be fine um do you ever feel that same way that I just described to you yeah definitely I think in in two different scenarios as well because I'm definitely still like the quieter person in the room if I'm like amongst friends and family for example um some of my friends are quite big characters and I think if we're in a big group I can probably very easily like get lost and (laughs) I usually I quite like to listen to people as well so I don't I don't often like sit and talk about myself which is strange because I've now been doing that for like nearly two hours um yeah certainly in like social situations I'm definitely not that person in the room and I, I definitely still have like the child Emma in me which is the quiet one and kind of just getting on with things um but then kind of in the role that I'm in now I suppose as you say there has to be some of those leadership qualities coming out as well which I think having gone through teaching and like being stood at the front of a classroom and leading a classroom has been a good transition for that but it's still very different than when you try to apply those skills working with adults to when you're working with children Um, and sometimes I guess it kind of is like imposter syndrome a little bit when you have to tell someone what to do or what kind of how to word it like what's the right thing to do in this situation if if say a client comes to you and they want to do something having having that confidence to go back and say well actually that in my opinion that is the wrong thing to do or the wrong way to approach it and sometimes that can be quite hard to do mm-hmm. um but then sometimes you, but you do that and you're like oh actually I'm I am so glad that I've done that because they they just didn't realize and then they've gone down the right route or whatever it is but yeah sometimes it can certainly be tricky to like assert that um authority because I think it's part of like human nature not to you don't want to ever like offend someone either or like step Mm -hmm. on their toes or upset anybody um so I think that's probably part of it too like I'm always trying to find that balance between um yeah guiding people in the right direction and and essentially telling them what to do but also still being approachable and friendly and kind and the, t- the type of person that I'd want to be just in everyday life anyway so yeah it's a fine balance to get I was about to say that's a balance <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I I've seen um I, I read this book uh, a while back on uh user testing because I'm a nerd and <laughs> um uh it was the it was the book uh, don't make me think um and I I read it and uh it gave me the out of that whole like 
um, what I say being like a personal attack on this other person, they're definitely going to think that I'm attacking them and they're going to think that I'm being like, like pushy and annoying or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, when I saw that there were so many ways to just present information, um, and, and give people more context to the situation, uh, and have more data to draw on, I Mm -hmm. felt like it made it a whole less personal to them. And it gave me a whole lot more confidence to say, well, okay, we could do that way, but have you considered this? These are the outcomes when this happens. I just don't know if you have this information yet. And that feels so much less dickish (laughs) than the the alternative. (laughs) No, that's so true. I like that you said that, like basically not wanting to look like dick, (laughs) not Like you're shooting them down and telling them that it's wrong. I mean, we had that experience this week um, and it was a client we're working with and they're having like a brand new website created. They don't yet have their domain name. So they're going through choosing it. And they were like, oh, the board has decided on this one. And it was a really like long URL. It was hyphenated. Mm. And I'm just like, oh no, I'm going to sound like an absolute like dick here, basically saying all this stuff back. But I was like, we would advise against a hyphen just for when you're conveying it verbally and thinking mm. about it in small spaces and printed and have you considered this, this and this? And we had like a quick check on GoDaddy at what domains were available and we sent some over and I was like, oh, I don't want them to feel like I'm telling them what to do. But at the same time, I don't want to work with that domain name because yeah. I know it's not best practice. <laughs> and it's like, how do you go about telling people when they're doing something wrong without looking like you're just being a dick yeah <laughs> and I think as you say it's about giving them some alternatives and said oh have you considered this this and this and then they came back and they actually said oh I've spoken to the board and I used your kind of arguments to um to push this through and we've actually gone with something different which was great but at the time as you say when you're writing it you you always think how are they going to perceive it I hope they don't think I'm just attacking them or like slating their own choices or something like that so it's a tricky one isn't it <laughs> Why do you think you and I think like this? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I always like to find that balance of like because we're at heart trying to also be nice people. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Um, and I think because I haven't naturally come from like a business background, uh, I think maybe sometimes that. I don't know it's really hard isn't it I think it's just that that idea of wanting to be nice with people and being approachable and 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 avoiding like that confrontation and conflict and thinking Mm -hmm. oh are they going to come back with saying well no because of this this and this and then you end up getting into a little bit of a confrontation which I hate yeah (laughs) Um, it's probably probably a little bit of that um more than anything I don't know what about you I don't know there, there's always like a little bit of like Emily, like who do you think you are, telling these people this stuff, and then if I think about you, and that is literally your role, mm. like <laughs> why else are you there than to give them the answers to what they're asking about your expertise, and yeah. still for some reason we get into this whole thing of like who do I think I am or um uh literally giving them the answer to what you think is going to make them most successful you think that somehow it's like crossing a line it's just really interesting 
yes it is well, you, you've summed that up perfectly um yeah I couldn't have said that any better but it, it is an interesting phenomenon like the the human like psychology of how we always wonder how someone's going to respond and react to us it's yeah it's fascinating huh. yeah I, I hate conflict it's it's like <laughs> you, you just like try to anticipate everything so that you can like nip it in the bud right before it mm -hmm. happens um but i feel like i've gotten a lot better about that because um i just started uh uh talking to people just very plainly as if i'm a kid for some reason and people kind of see that as a little bit more endearing and not attacking them uh so i i've gotten to a point where um and sometimes you can only do this with people that you feel comfortable with or that you know aren't gonna like make fun of you for saying this. But sometimes even um, in business, I'm like, okay, so I'm a little nervous right now. The reason why I'm nervous is because this, this, and this, and the context that I'm coming from with this is this experience that I had one time. And that is so honest and so not what people expect that a lot of the times people treat me with a lot more kindness than they might have done otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like that. I think honesty goes a long, long way. Um, rather than trying to kind of mask it and hide it. And, you know, sometimes it's okay not to have all the answers. I think that's also something that we have to realise because nobody knows everything. And at some point however much of an expert you are in your own field somebody's going to ask you a question that throws you off or no one's asked you that before um so i think just having having that confidence to say okay well this is really interesting let me take a look i'll do some research and i'll come back to you like i don't have the answers right now but let's find the best solution together um and yeah being honest about it is probably the best way the best way forward it's just more um endearing more like approachable isn't it? it's more natural yeah so we're, we're nearing the end and i wanted to ask this like if we narrow it down to just like the past year with mm -hmm. you and chris and your team um is there anything that like really a couple things that like stick out in your memory of like oh i remember when i look back on this year i'm going to remember like these couple things that were really significant, at least to me, for beyond. Mm. Yeah, so I guess, um, first of all, would be like the milestone of each team member joining us, like the kind of the day and like the first call that we had and like the onboarding sessions, like with, with each of, of the four team members that are with us now. I think those are really prominent dates for us. Um, and the, the, yeah, it's really important and really sort of like proud moments and like bringing someone else into the team and like we're building our own little community. So certainly those those dates. Um, probably like starting the sort of hiring process as well and kind of understanding how to go through that. Because um, all of these things have like been new to us, both myself and Chris, and kind of putting together our own process of like we'll do like a small little task with someone to like get to know them and just like yeah putting our own process in place and and going through the interview process and I remember like the first day of interviews that we did with people and like refining the sort of questions we wanted to ask and that kind of thing I think that's like the biggest thing over the last year has been 
the team and putting our time and energy into our team and growing our, our own little community and you know a, a team of of beyonders to be proud of um I, I think that's the the biggest thing that's happened over the last year um yeah and, and that's really progressed beyond as well we wouldn't be at this place if you know if it was just me and Chris it's not there isn't that capacity we need our own little superheroes in each of those different roles and it's almost like between myself and Chris we can do all of the different skill sets that we need in in an agency but it's getting to that point where you kind of get a superhero in each one of those roles who does that role better than what you previously did because we're doing about 16 different like hat spins and juggles (laughs) at the moment and I think that's been a really really exciting part of the last year is getting our superheroes in place you know for for design for for marketing for development and having each of those roles with a superhero in it um yeah it's been they've been really big steps for us yeah when you said proud was was there a a couple moments where you and chris kind of looked at each other and you're like wow, we actually got to this stage. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> or just uh, like, oh, this is real. Okay, I'm gonna keep working. I'm not gonna like, like think that we like made it because there's so much more to 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 do. But what what were those moments like? Yeah, it's it's funny that you ask actually, because we've said this to each other before that you kind of, you set your milestones like, um, for us for the last couple of years on um new year's eve we've spent the day just like just me and chris and um, previously we used to go to like um all of our friends and family would get together quite big parties and things and the last couple of years we've just loved having chris um new year's eve as it's like our day we'll go out for a walk in the morning into the peak district and then like afternoon into evening we'll cook some really nice food and we'll kind of do our goal reviews and setting and for some oh. people they might be sat there thinking god that's so lame like just go to a new party (laughs) but we love it yeah yeah and it's only really at that point where we properly sit down and go oh crap actually we met this goal and this goal and this goal and we've exceeded this one and and we actually like fully take it in because I think sometimes things are happening so quickly it's like everything's at a million miles per hour that you can sort of achieve a goal but like not stop and celebrate it and you're like instantly on to onto the next thing mm-hmm. and I think that's probably just part of wanting to keep progressing things but you can certainly sometimes not stop and reflect um and we've made a conscious effort like um to, to try and do that more this year uh, rather than it being like that annual sort of reflection on everything but yeah I think we we probably have hit quite a lot of like milestones and not really like not really sort of celebrated it as such we kind of just gone oh this is cool okay this is happening um okay what's next <laughs> like instantly on to the next thing um because we're constantly just wanting to like progress things and move forward um but it is really important to look back and reflect and, and and be proud of yourself I think that's an important thing for everybody it's sometimes hard to say that like oh I'm proud of what we've done but um I think it's important that everybody does that especially when uh, everything is so fast-paced and things can go quite easily missed so, yeah. 
are you having a little bit of an experience now talking through your past and actually like being in the present for a minute? <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, this has been really good to kind of um, reflect on everything. It's made me have, it's made me spend like a couple of hours reflecting on everything of like where, what I've done in the past and all the different like roles. And even when you sent through like an insight into the sort of things that we'd go through more to put my nerves at ease than anything else was <laughs> I was like oh wow okay so I'm going to talk through like travels like living in France the different job roles that I've had and sometimes you kind of forget all those things because you, you're so much like looking towards the future and what's the next steps and what do we need to do to progress things so yeah speaking with you today has been really good to just actually kind of like do that bird's eye view you know rather than being like in the forest you've like sent the drone up and you're like looking at the whole top <laughs> rather than just wandering around in trees <laughs> um yeah it's been really good to do that um yeah just to stop and take a moment to reflect yeah well I'm glad that I could do that for you <laughs> <laughs> no it's been really cool I'm, I also have to say I came on this like a little bit nervous as to what to expect but you definitely just like put me so at ease like as soon as I came on and we started talking it was just like talking to a friend so thank you oh I I uh it, I'm always so surprised whenever anybody's nervous to talk to me I'm like bro you don't even know how nervous I am <laughs> sometimes I even I address it immediately and people are like interesting <laughs> Yeah, it was it was interesting when you said that you were quite nervous at the start as well, because I was thinking like, oh, you don't need to be nervous to talk to me. <laughs> it sounds like it was like a mutual a mutual feeling before we got on. But yeah, it's been really good to to speak to you and go through everything. The the last two things to to bring up is uh uh, the, I'll bring up the first thing. So the first thing is um so we talked about past, we talked about what your life is like now. Um, when you look into the future, are there any, whether short-term or long-term, are there any things on the horizon that you're really, really excited about? Like, like maybe a couple things in, in your mind? Yeah. So, um, I guess there's kind of like the business and the personal side of things. So I guess business side of things, um, to continue growing beyond, to continue working on awesome projects, to build our presence in the Webflow communities with, clonables with you know being featured on showcase and that kind of thing and and just growing those connections um building out the team we're, we're looking to hire again at the moment um so I'm anticipating sort of this year that we're going to go from a team of six to sort of eight to ten um so that's really exciting sort of for this year and then I guess personally um it, these are more sort of longer term I guess maybe in the next two to five years but thinking about where we might move to in the future. Um, we're really happy like where we live at the moment, but in the future, we'd really like to have like a separate office space to our home, still within like the same like grounds, if you like. I don't know why I say mm -hmm. grounds. I'm not talking about <laughs> in a castle or anything. <laughs> but, On the same property. <laughs> yeah, we're just having like a separate space to go to where we can have like the studio set up all the time because, um, at the moment, like we we set up and pack down like a lot of the lighting and the camera gear and that kind of thing. And so just to have like a studio set up an office space that's like separate to where we live would be really cool. And then thinking about um, like children and marriage and, and that kind of thing over the next few years, all those things are kind of in the pipeline, but 
I don't think you can ever put like a time span on them because like when we started beyond some of the goals that we had I think when you first start you feel like oh we have to do this business plan and you have to think about where we're going to be in 10 years time and some of the things we put on there were like we expected to achieve in like year five or ten and mm-hmm. like we've already achieved them in like years two and three wow. so I think not really put like a time frame on things um which is why I say sort of yeah two to five years but I don't know when marriage will come <laughs> along or when kids will come along if we're lucky enough to have kids but there are definitely things on like the personal side that I'm excited about um and then yeah business side is continuing to grow the team and and the community and continue working with great people I really hope that you get to listen back to this in a couple years and like it'll be so so strange to be like oh these things that I achieved like back then I they were they were uncertain or back then like this is what I was interested in and I actually ended up going doing this and I'm so happy doing this so I hope that one day you have that little fun five minute experience of listening to oh, the end of this that'd be great it'd be like when you open a time capsule and you're like oh wow I said this and it's actually happened oh. Yeah, it's good. I hold myself accountable to it now. <laughs> the the very last thing that I do in, in episodes to bookend them is um I reintroduce myself and I say where people can find me uh, in mm-hmm. case they want to follow me or anything like that. And then I throw it over to you and then we head out of here. So does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Alrighty. Well, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Emily uh, Giordano. I am a, uh, a web designer, Webflow developer, and I'm actually in a copywriting course right now to learn about all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, proud of me. Um, <laughs> so eventually I will uh, include that. Um, uh, if you want to reach out to me, if you have a project or you want to be friends or you want to talk about the podcast, uh, my my email is uh, Emily, E-M-I-L-Y, at greatdesignlead.com. Great Design Lead is my website. It's also anything online, like Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I also have this other podcast uh, called Emily's Super Secret Podcast. Um, you can look that up. <laughs> And uh, that's where um, if I'm uh, trying to struggle through something or I want to have like a diary entry, um, I put that in there and then I re-listen to myself freaking out and I realize it wasn't that big of a deal now that I'm listening to it in third person. So you can listen to Emily's Super Secret Podcast. Um, <laughs> I love that. And, <laughs> and uh, that, that's enough for me and I'll, I'll uh, throw it over to Emma and then we'll head out of here. Cool. Um, so... Hi again, um, I'm Emma Fieldhouse. I am the co-founder of Beyond Agency. Um, so you can find me, I'll go with like the personal handles first. So Instagram, I'm eFieldhouse, but that tends to just be like my travels and not so many travels over recent years. Um, and on LinkedIn, Emma Fieldhouse. Um, or if you want to engage with us um, for a project or something cool through Beyond Agency, um, then we are Beyond Agency on LinkedIn. And we are beyond.agency for our <laughs> website. And we are beyond.agency uh, on Instagram. So yeah, reach out, drop us a, a message. Um, email is hello at beyond.agency. <laughs> so whatever channel you choose to come through, drop us a message if you want to talk about um, yeah, a project or something exciting that you've got going on. Um, and we'd love to collaborate. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I'll leave it as that. Thank you for having me, Emily. <laughs> oh, of course. And I'll make sure that all of those links in, all of the spelling is in the description. So you can just 
like pop out, scroll down, and then click, and then you're ready to go. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect. Well, this has been so fun. I loved getting to know you, and uh, I hope this is just goodbye until next time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on.